Crucial Welcome, episode 122, Podcast Pildroid. My name is Russell, and uh, Leon, you've got your hands full a bit there, haven't you? Yeah, the, the uh, three-year-old's still awake. He had an afternoon nap today, so it's, uh, it's never a good thing when it comes to getting him to bed. Uh, <laughs> Super Bowl time. We're an hour ahead here as well, so it's 20 past nine. What's the day? The day after the Estonian game. We're at, what day is it? Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah. Which, by Estonian time, the game was still we hadn't even had the anthems such such a late kickoff it was wasn't it uh, the estonian anthem uh, went on for about 12 hours as well didn't it that's that's very true it's very true and uh, and we got rich how are you sir yeah i'm really good really good no such problems here so it's, <laughs> it's a quiet house yeah quality parenting we were going to do a preview and it kind of got pulled at the, the very very last minute because uh because life sometimes gets in the way and had we gone ahead with that i've already started by asking you had you made your peace with how the previous window had gone in that similar vein have you rich i mean did you have a piece to to have to make after this window well yeah i mean it's just a lot of questions i think unanswered still primarily about page um because it's him who's setting the team up and choosing the players and sending them out there but i mean four points that's that's good it's decent um we could probably i would say i wouldn't say we should have beaten um the czechs we, we certainly could have beaten them um, and six points would have been superb um but four points is good it keeps us you know, it's still in our control pretty much. So, yeah, that's good. There's no peace to be made, just more more questions, which at some point or another we're going to find the answers to for, uh, for good or, or for bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, by yourself, Leon? Yeah, I think it was, it's all right. It was a strange one, really, in, in that it um, was an excellent performance against a you know, good Czech Republic team where we you know, perhaps deserve to win. And then um, a not-so-good performance against a not-as-good Estonia team where we did win but perhaps didn't deserve to. Um, on a balance of play, maybe a draw would have been a, a fairer result. But, four, four, yeah, four points, is, is it's a decent haul and I make us favourites for second in this group because we'll be playing... Um, Belarus at home, and a, a Belgian team who who've already will have will have already qualified by that point at home as well, and that you know should be a game we should be capable of of drawing. I think um, sort of the four points that we need um, is still on, and. Um, it's all right. It sort of keeps us. It, it, four points is good. Yeah, it keeps us sort of on track. I think for second place. Robert Martinez will do us a favour, won't he? Coming back to Wales. I mean, maybe I'm just looking ahead too much because we've got to go out and beat Belarus at, at home first, and you know it's not a foregone conclusion. We kind of maybe are a bit guilty of taking these kind of games against the likes of. Belarus and Estonia as being foregone conclusions, which they're they're most certainly not. But having already qualified, you'd think they they would, you know, there would just be a sort of drop in intensity because they wouldn't kind of need to go out and sort of really do the business. Um, and surely, you know, some some of their top players would be rested because well, what would be the point of 
playing. I mean, I saw um, Courtois the other day after their third place playoff in the in the Nations League, talking about how how the, the top players are being asked to play too many games, and UEFA have got to do something about it. Why play Hazard, De Bruyne, Lukaku in in a in a game where which is a dead rubber for them? Having said that, I suppose that could work against us in that they'll that they're sort of fringe fringe players who who are, you know top quality because they've got so much depth are going to be um, looking to boost their chances of making the World Cup squad. So um, maybe I'm thinking a bit, hopefully, and a bit naively there, but. Um, I think we're, you know, we're capable of getting the win and the draw that we need in those games. And I'm not all that downbeat about how it went. It wasn't a great performance against Estonia in the end, though, but we got the three points. I think Pace, to a certain extent, this is an interesting kind of irony over the course of the window, is that the more offensive selection actually put in a much more, I said on Twitter, sort of swashbuckling, more attacking, and certainly more cohesively attacking performance on Friday against the Czechs than what on paper was a more attacking lineup and selection in the second game, which goes to show, I think, just you know how important your, your, your holding midfielders are. But Page almost, I don't know about Rich, whether you, whether you agree with this, Page almost kind of, he, he, I'm not saying he set himself up for a fall necessarily, but he put a little bit of pressure on himself in the sense that, and I was, I, mean, I always saw you, didn't I, on the, on the school run, and I said I was really impressive with kind of how assertive uh, he'd, he'd been and how he, he was talking about going for goals he came up really early on the Saturday morning in the press. Ramsey was definitely going to play. He was good for another 90 minutes, and we'll come on to that, I'm sure. I'm not sure he was, but he was fit to start, at least. There was no mind games. It was a really kind of bold, assertive, OK, we're setting our stall out. I think that has almost counted against him as much as the performance has. If he'd have been a little bit more cautious, a bit more wary, as he does tend to be, he might have saved himself a bit more grief that he's, than he's getting. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think potentially. I mean... It's kind of tricky. Like I think against um, you, kind of alluded it, alluded to it there by having the correct central slash somewhat defensive midfielders. It does enable the entire team to function better, and part of functioning better is attacking better. But I was really Ramsey could end up being a really good deeper midfielder. At the present moment, he's nowhere near as good as he is as a really offensive ten. So from from my mind, it was. And certainly with hindsight, crazy to move him from 10 where he'd been so good and where the running requirements are not as important. And then putting Wilson in. And then so you're, kind of, you're weakening the team, not weakening the team because Ramsey's obviously a better central midfielder than any of the other players anyway. But you're weakening the team by moving him from 10. And then you're also meaning you're not having Wilson's impact from the bench. My kind of thinking for the um, Estonia game would have been start off gradually grind them down and then you can bring on more offensive players when they're getting ragged and tired and so on. But the way we sort of started with such an attacking side, when it became apparent that it wasn't going to be that easy, there was less mm. less options for manoeuvre there. And like just about the Czech game, I thought there was some really, really good attacking stuff going on. Like I, I, I'm not by nature like a, a, hub, a hubbing of doom or anything, but to me, it was a little bit chaotic it had that sort of chaotic vibe but the odd good result that odd, the odd kind of freak result we would get in sort of days gone by had um and i felt a little bit uncomfortable with that there was just sort of it seemed there was like chaos on the pitch at times in the chat game um not to say there wasn't really 
good, nice attacking moves, but it seemed chaotic in a way that suggested maybe the trainer isn't 100% sure what's going on or what he's trying to do. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you guys saw it like that, but I was, and this is the whole issue with Paige for me, is I'm just, I just don't know who he is or what he's trying to do at the moment. There was some chaos, definitely, in, in terms of those two goals that we conceded, which were just, well, the second one was just crazy. But I mean, and there's no nothing the manager can do to, to legislate for that. The first one as well, you know, with three defenders sort of go towards the ball and then leave the man free in the middle was a stupid goal to concede. But um, I don't, it's sort of like almost individual errors. I thought the team was set up really well, actually. So I don't think you can blame Paige for those two goals. And then we attacked really well. We could have scored more than the two goals we did. So I, I think Paige deserves some credit for that. It's sort of one of those games where he seemed to, to, to get it spot on with the substitutions as well and bringing Wilson on at the time he did. I, I mean, I agree with Rich in terms of how he set the team up against Estonia. Um, it kind of left us like with nowhere to go sort of thing. We're sort of bringing on Mark Harris. He's a promising young player, but he's been a bit, he's not really established himself yet at Cardiff. It would have been nice at that point to have been to have been able to bring on someone like a fresh leg Harry Wilson, for example. So I mean, I would have been really tempted to keep the same system, keep Morel in there, two defensive midfielders, keep Ampadu in defence, maybe change the wing backs as he did to freshen things up there because we've got good options there. But keep the same system and then you know look to change it later on. But then I I, I do realise that if he plays a back five and we end up drawing that game nil-nil or losing it one-nil, then he's, he gets absolutely slaughtered for, for being defensive against Estonia, doesn't he? Because people then say, well, what's he doing setting up the team like that? We're not playing Brazil, etc." So I, I kind of get why he did it. And we ended the Czech Republic game so well that he, I guess he thought, well, let's just try and sort of carry on this momentum and put the sort of team, t- team against... Uh, Estonia out there, which was the team which finished the Czech game so well, but it didn't really kind of work out like that. Can I just say one thing about Paige there, just really quickly? Um, in terms of the individual errors and stuff, and this will sound like a contradiction in terms, but I do think that when individual errors keep happening, and that includes red cards or really risky passes or terrible errors, I do think that is the manager's responsibility. And I think individual errors that keep on happening are down to the trainer typically like if you think like with um coleman or or, or gigs we didn't really see and of course there were individual errors from time to time but there they didn't seem to be a constant stream of these kinds of individual errors which i feel like are creeping into the team a little bit so that's kind of what i mean in terms of it's page's responsibility when individual errors keep getting made i, I just don't think they are one-off freak incidents when you look at them as a whole. But that's just what I'm observing at the moment, I feel. Or my, that's what my feeling is. Yeah, I don't think that's unfair if you think about it. I mean, half-time is separates the two Czech goals. And, you know, to be fair to him, Paige, there's not a lot you can do to legislate against Ward's uh, complacency then, let's, let's, let's put it that way. But we considered two goals in only 11 minutes there. We considered two goals in a short period of time against Belarus. Uh, Belgium's last two goals in the, the game up there Again, relatively close together. We do seem to concede in a bit of a clutch. If we can keep them out, we tend to see it out. And I thought uh, Gwen and Harris made a really good point on the on her SOC commentary around how 
you know, we're the only team that Estonia haven't managed to score against in the group so far. And I think they're a much better proposition than people are giving them credit for. And their manager really has sorted them out and made them much, much tighter. They're scoring fewer, but they're conceding far, far fewer, which means they're in a game for longer. Um, so there's something to possibly be said there. But again, even like you said, it's not, you know, like Leon said, it's, you know, it's not Brazil we're playing, you know, it's not, it's not one of the big guns. It's, it's Estonia. How much better can a coach make them? But having said that, that seems to be a, something that's sort of creeping in a little bit. That when we concede, we just seem to... Another one isn't that far away, which reminds me a little bit of the bad old days to a certain extent. But there's certain, there are certain recurring things, isn't it? The whole kind of Kiefer Moore thing. How do we, how do we manage the referees? That, that was particularly acute again against Estonia. And what was, what was funny there was that I actually thought the referee was being quite kind to us to begin with, or kind to him. He seemed to be giving him some things early on. I thought he's going to be quite um, lenient here because there were some really robust challenges from the Estonians coming in, just some clear barges through the back of which Moore was a victim of a couple. And it was just talking to us. And you didn't see, you seemed reluctant early on to bring out the cards. And they just seemed to completely change and just seemed to take against us for the final hour of the game. We seem to have got on the wrong side of referees. We talked about this with the, the European Championship review episodes. That doesn't seem to be getting ironed out. And I think what you said there, Leon, isn't, as uh, uh, Rich, isn't entirely unfair, to be honest. Like you said, when things keep happening, it's the manager's job to make sure that they don't <laughs> keep happening. And if that means giving someone the, the hook and you haul them off or you drop them for a game or two, well then, well then so be it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, don't we finish with four yellow cards and Estonia had three it just seemed absurd considering the way they started uh, this, the game by just fouling and fouling and fouling and I, I, like you I thought he's been really leaning here he's not booking people these, these are clear bookings and then he just flipped didn't he and then we started it was like it was the Harry Wilson one where he kind of seemed to flip and then I think that was a booking by the way Wilson I mean I had every right to go for that Ball, but he, he, you know, he caught him. It was a bit nasty. But the Kiefer Moore one again, utterly ridiculous. At first, I thought as well in the first half, I thought that Kiefer Moore seemed to be playing the ref quite well in a way. And we talked about this a little bit before how you know he's got to learn at international level how to try and get decisions a bit more, and just you know just kind of maybe go down a bit easier than he would in a, in a championship game or just you know look to look to buy fouls and, and we talked about how John Hartson sort of adjusted his game at international level and uh, became a really effective international striker by 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 doing that and I thought in the first half there was the signs that he was doing that and he he gave an interview I think yesterday after the game where he said you know I'm I'm just I'm I'm trying to to adjust because um it's crazy the amount on getting booked and <laughs> it's I mean it's just you must feel like he's sort of walking on eggshells every every single game it's it's absurd really he's he's not a dirty player but he's getting booked time after time after time for for, for being tall I thought he played really well and he deserved his goal by the way I'll just say that yeah he was really good wasn't he and it was um it's difficult I mean I guess as is true of all players but he he will really benefit if he can get a move to a to a better league because I guess he's going to be working in a more technical way and like a better sort of knowledge as to how to sort of improve, but it, it's it's not ideal. But if he's basically going to get booked every game, and there's just seemingly nothing, he doesn't have any way of that not happening um, in his in his toolbox. 
if we keep lumping it up to him though and he's having to take these headers from a standing start and he's got to use those arms for a bit more leverage to a certain extent I do wonder whether we can we can help him out a little bit because I'm pretty sure he hasn't picked up any bookings and I, I, haven't, I haven't gone back to check that he's picked his bookings up from those long balls or lofted balls high balls and he's having to sort of compete one-on-one with with the defender I mean I'm not sure he's picked up kind of Paul Scholes style from just some sort of reckless challenge from behind or something there may be one or two I don't know if he's being as aggressive as he is no less no more but just continues to be as aggressive as he is and he's coming on to a, a, a cross and he's an attacking a cross he gets given so much more license yeah. to plow into a defender into a keeper and send them bundling and he might still get penalized for a free kick but I don't think he's going to get the, the cards so to a certain extent I don't think we're helping him as a team if we're just putting him into these positions where he's having to use his arms you know, to, to create that extra leverage. If he comes running onto the ball, then I think he's going to be given so much more more leeway. I felt we started going a little bit too direct, too soon, too quickly. And I think partly that was because Ramsey's legs had gone. He clearly didn't have two 90s in him. Um, so I can see the logic. You put him in a very attacking lineup to begin with to see if we can be tuning up against them. But half-time, haul him off on 50, 55 minutes. He gets a bit of a break, gets a rest, goes back to Juventus happy, or as happy as he is, going back to the medical team. I think that's what he was going for, Paige. But we just started going too too long, too early. We weren't going that long in the first half. But second half, that seemed to be pretty much it. But what I would say as well is if you go back and you watch that game a little bit again, you see the number of balls that we played in between their full-back and the centre-back. Because they were, they were basically five at the back themselves, Estonia. The number of times we slid a little ball in for Connor just to kind of hammer onto it. They tightened that up completely second half to the extent that there's barely uh, a channel for us to, to slip a ball through a little bit on the right barely anything on the left which means that Sober Thomas for example is having to try and run round them from quite deep I don't think that's his game they almost reverted back to how they played in, in Cardiff I felt very narrow and gave us the outside flanks and said okay we reckon you've recognised you've got pace but we're going to back ourselves to have to defend from deep against it which is going to give us a better chance and I, I thought tactically, I thought they did really, really well against us. And I don't think Estonia had the credit for it. I'm not expecting them to necessarily because the script to a certain extent is already written with Page. But I thought they adjusted really, really well. I would agree with that. I mean, even given the fact that I'm kind of, my feeling is, and I've sort of spoken about it a little bit, I'm generally becoming more critical of Page. I still think, I mean, Estonia are not an abysmal football team. I mean, they're not very good. We should have beaten them by more, but anyone kind of expecting us to win five six nil, clearly, that's not going to be the case. It's particularly with us missing players. Um, they were well organised for the most part, and they were physical, and they kind of played that physicality really well. Um, they played the left really well in that regard. So yeah, I was just, what do you guys think about um, Dan James? To me, he got a really really nice goal really really lovely goal against the Jacks but as a strike partner with Kiefer Moore I'm not entirely convinced it worked really well against the Jacks I think because there was a, a lot of counter-attacking opportunities um, against Estonia he didn't seem to be able to function anywhere near that level probably because there was less counter-attacking um, in which case I was kind of thinking you're just completely taking away everything he can do out wide against the team that just isn't going to give him any space in the middle in behind so that was another thing where I was questioning 
quite what Page is doing. But um, it was also their left back was on a card, and he went on a card really, really early. And I just thought, well, just just swap sides, have him running at him, mm. and see if he can draw another one. Like how that Israeli defender just kind of crumbled, didn't he? Remember, um, yeah. like two cards in like you know five minutes, whatever it was. And I just sometimes we don't we don't put we're not smart enough to just say right, okay, we're gonna. Not abandon, but we're going to adapt our game plan for a second. We're just going to look to expose a player. And surely the players should be able to do that and have the nous about how to do that, how to put people into positions, into sort of one-on-ones, or to put them in a foot race, um, and to put him under pressure and see, well, can he deal with it, basically? And we, we don't seem to do that, and that really bothers me because... Mm. You know, we know we know which ones have got the cards. I mean, there's all sorts of you know data and devices and everything else. And you know, with that with that one, all you got to do is look at the, the name and the number on the back of the shirt. It seems to be something that we don't we're not quite streetwise enough to do. He put in a big shift, I thought, against the the Czechs because I, I think a lot, I think people tend to forget as well. A bit, a bit like Rush back in the day. He's a very good defender, Dan James, mm. in the sense of defending from the front. I'm not too sure. There's something just not quite quite firing with him at the minute but I agree with you the, the goal was the goal was terrific and you know he keeps on going to be fair his head doesn't drop I'll give him that he doesn't disappear from a game in the way that Harry Wilson does as I felt Harry Wilson did against Estonia um, and actually somebody doesn't seem to get anywhere near the level of criticism I th- think he probably warrants far more than, than a lot of players get well what surprised me about Harry Wilson he came on and made the like a really really good assist against the Czechs that isn't enough to warrant starting in the next game. I mean, that's just that just shows you've had a good impact as a sub. Um, so I don't know if it was Page again saying, "Okay, you've done well." Wilson clearly wasn't happy at having not played enough in the Euros, in his view. I hope it wasn't Page just giving him a start just because of one goal impact. I mean, I'm similar to you. I still think Harry Wilson's got a lot of good attributes to his game, but showing up consistently isn't one of them and until he can do that I, I mean he wouldn't be someone I would start really as soon as he did so well as a sub against the Czechs I would have been of the mind to go for that again okay give him maybe a few more minutes but starting him it was a similar kind of pattern he sort of was quite encouraging to begin with and then just faded into nothingness quite quickly yeah I think it's I think it's his character isn't it I think it's probably stopped him getting a Premier League move and has kept him in the championship that inability or, or unwillingness or whatever it is to be able to just impose himself on several games from the whistle, on the bounce, not these little cameos here and there. They're nice when you have them, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, it was better that he played like that against the Czechs than he didn't. But like I agree with you, I, I, I couldn't really see why there was such a, uh, a clamour to have him start off the back of that. You know, that's the least that we should be expecting from somebody who's on, you know, who's on massive money. Was it twelve million fund paid for him? You know, this is this is a player who seems to have a slightly bigger opinion of himself than um, than his performances justify. I think, and then people may think I'm being as harsh on him as you know. I think a lot of people are on the likes of Joe Morrell, but um, you know, but there we go. Rich made a comment there about Wilson. Obviously, he didn't feel like he got enough minutes in the Euros. Is he is he given an interview? Because I, I I haven't seen anything about that. Well, I was. I think I heard. Gwenan Harris say that, if I remember correctly, but it was something I'd heard somewhere else. So I've been extremely vague here. I can't give an exact quote, I'm afraid. But um, I think the jet that I think was the general accepted opinion regarding Wilson was that he didn't feel like he'd had enough minutes, or he wasn't happy with that. All right, which okay. is entitled. Yeah, I mean it's good that he, he um, 
feels like he should be more involved and could, but you know, uh, go out and prove it on the field like on a consistent basis. You know, that's 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 the thing. Then make yourself undroppable. You know, by doing it again and again and again. I thought he started really well. He was lively, had a good first half, but then yeah, faded badly. But he has just had an injury, hasn't he? So that might be a factor. And like like I said before, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have changed the system. I'd have just kept the same system and given Ramsey the same role and said, go out and express yourself. And we've got, you know, five central defensive players behind you, you know, three centre-backs and two defensive midfielders and, you know, to tell the wing-backs to get forward. I mean, I don't know as much about football as, as Robert Page, who's been, you know, involved in football in a professional capacity for nearly 30 years or whatever. So that's just me as a fan what I would like to see, but I don't, you know, I don't know if that would have necessarily been any better. When we're four points away from home, it's a good haul, you know, and we can't really sort of complain too much. We, we, in in the not too distant past, we'd have been delighted with any sort of away win, albeit a scrappy 1-0 in Estonia. It's fine. Let's move on, win these home games, try and win them. We've had one bad result in the group. Really. Yeah. So when you put it in that context, it's it's not that bad. It's just the margins are so tight. It was a terrible result at home. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing is, it's so tight because it's only 13 teams yeah. in Europe that get to the World Cup. I mean, it's just, it's so hard. It's, it is incredibly tough, you know, and um, it used to be tougher to get into the, to, the, to the Euros and now it's tougher to get to the World Cup. It's just not as, as many places up for grabs. And, you know, it could, there are, what, 50-odd countries in UEFA? And, you know, and basically every country across Europe, football is, is the main sport or one of the main sports, you know. So it's just like the strength of European football is so, it's so intense that like to be one of those 13 teams that gets through to a World Cup from Europe, there's not, not much margin for error. No, I think just the rest, the rest of the world needs to finally cut Europe some slack, I think. <laughs> That's what needs to happen. <laughs> Let more of us play, but I, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think there is a legitimate argument for that. I think you know the rest of the world sort of says, well, you had more than slack than you deserved for you know the best part, best part of eighty to ninety years of uh, the international game. But um, yeah, the geopolitics of it. But it, you know that's why I put that out earlier on on Twitter because um, really good piece actually on BBC that just kind of breaks it all down. And actually, and I, I, when I first checked on it, it only gone up very recently. Before I checked, there was no name attributed, so I can't credit the, the journalist who's written it, but it sets out nicely what is left to do, the extent to which is it, it is in our hands or not, and so on. Um, actually, the thing that dawned them as I'm reading it is that it's pretty much exactly the same position as before the weekend. <laughs> You know what? What we what we have to do is more or less the same. There's nuance there, clearly. Don't get me wrong. And I think again, it's, again, it's about perspective. And I think, they, and I've said this a couple of times in the last couple of windows, the the more time you put between the window and your your your, your forming of an opinion on it or your reflection on it, I think views can can change. And given that we're in a bit of a shootout for second place with the Czechs, actually, whether we'd have won one nil or ten nil against Estonia, yes, we'd be ahead of them on goal difference. But actually, if we hadn't have shipped two really soft goals against them the checks and we'd have put in that performance that actually that goal difference doesn't become an issue or it's massively far far less of an issue um 
And so for me over the weekend, the most disappointing element is that complacency, is that goal that Ward lets in, and it's going to sleep straight after the, the goal, and we've got to cut those errors out. Um, much more, I think it's much more important that we do that than some of the other things that were at fault against Estonia. Um, and yeah, I, I wonder, you know, I'll put that out there, Ooh. I wonder whether people might kind of warm to that opinion. The more time they put between the window and uh and, and well and yeah reflection. i think that's a good point it was a really good chance considering we went one nil up the fantastic ramsey goal um to take you know a big scalp away from home we don't take take many do we and no. the czech republic yeah uh, you know a, a, a football nation with some pedigree and to, to beat them away i don't know if we've done it before um in you know in terms of the czech republic or czechoslovakia so yeah that's a real shame we, sloppy sloppy goals i mean and the ward one maybe we should talk about that do you think that is the complacency of being a professional bench warming number two goalkeeper that led to that goal well in our whatsapp that was the consensus at the time wasn't it and maybe that's a bit of frustration coming through but goalkeepers make mistakes you know we've seen big nev make one against romania back in the day we saw Paul Jones make a few. I remember Danny Coyne letting one in through his hands in Vienna. They do that. I thought he showed really good character to bounce back from it. I thought he did okay against um, Estonia. Made one really good save. That one where it was actually really quite a Nev-like save, I thought, where he kind of yeah. he saves it with the wrong arm, so that's to speak. What I, that's what I thought, yeah. It yeah, reminded yeah, me although, of big time of Nev's suffering. Yeah, although Nev would say that it wasn't the wrong arm. He felt it was the right way to go for it and that actually the received wisdom was wrong or something along those lines. But anyway, uh, I digress. Um I thought he did he, he did well. That's good, having that character. Not for one second did I think Page was not going to start him again against Estonia. He's known and renowned as well, I would say, for his distribution. You know, he is a good kicker of the ball. His game went a little bit, his kicking game went to pieces a little bit after the mistake, and then he sorted it out. There was a couple that just went short down the middle and didn't find a, a player. But I felt that he... <sighs> He was almost looking ahead too far to, okay, what am I going to do next? And, he, you know, he's, he's paid a, a pretty high price for that. Is it instructive of something much bigger? Possibly. Well, possibly. We know because he never plays football. So. <laughs> <laughs> Unless someone's got access to Lester's yeah. uh, training grounds footage, um, we, we're never going to find out. It was absolutely the worst kind of appalling mistake a keeper could make. Like it, it wasn't letting a shot sort of spin in, sort of off his hands or anything. It was it was absolutely abysmal. That being said, after those couple of dodgy passes, he sort of calmed down, didn't make any more mistakes. I mean, the the proof is just going to be when and if that happens again. Hopefully never, because he has been really good for us. It's just when you when you live your career as a second choice, willingly, when you've clearly got the ability to not be one. You are going to have these questions asked, and that's fair enough. He will have to live with yeah. people asking those questions. That, that's up to him. But yeah, no, he's, he's been a good player for us. Just hopefully there won't be any more mistakes because you wouldn't, you would never want that to happen in the play, like a, the playoff final or the, the, the first playoff game, because then that's that's a terrible, terrible thing you'll have to live with. So, and the team will have to live with. So it's. No, hopefully if there is a mistake in him, that, that's it out of the way. Um, but just before we just forget about this, um, Aaron Ramsey's goal was just absurdly good, wasn't it? It was so good. I've started going back on Twitter a little bit recently and I did see some absolute 
sad case running a poll, something like, I don't know, I can't remember what it was now, but some kind of, does this guy care about playing for his country? Should he be dropped? All this kind of stuff. I mean, that's just idiotic. He's, he's incredible. He doesn't want these injuries. He wants to be playing all the time. And when he does play for us, he's absolutely unreal. And he's putting his body on the line for us. Like this guy is earning like 400 grand a week and he's coming to play for us for basically nothing and risking like annoying his bosses who pay him all this money because he loves it so much. He's a legend. He's an all-time player for us. Easily our best number 10 ever. So yeah, I, I just thought he gave a captain's performance. He was brilliant. Nothing else to add to that. Everything you've said, absolutely on the nose. You know, I think given, given his injury problems, to play as fatigued as he ended up being in that game, I think Page did the right thing to take him off. I've seen some absolutely mental takes. I mean, not as mental as that poll about why he took him off, of all the players to take off and that kind of thing. You can actually do a player like him damage by making him kind of carry on. Page could well, I mean, notwithstanding what Juventus do and some of the stuff Ramsey's come out with about their, their sports science lot, hasn't really picked up the, the attention or the column inches I think it deserves, actually. Maybe it has in Italy and Turin, I don't know. That's the sort of decision, actually, to be fair to Page, that gives us a decent chance of him being fit for next month. Muscle injuries when you're fatigued, that kind of thing. He's the last player we want to be putting through that. And I think we, almost to a certain extent, we owed him a bit of a break in that second game when, as I said, his legs had gone, given how good he was in that first game. I mean, it was one of the most imperious performances I've seen from a player for us for a long, long time. Since Turkey at the Euros, maybe. <laughs> well, Turkey at the Euros, I think, I think that's a bigger stage. More pressure on the game, I suppose. Yeah, OK. But I thought he was... You know, he, you know, he had he had Bale as a foil then. You know, so the goal he scored, for example, you know, all he's got to do is make the run. <laughs> all, all he's got to do, he's got to make the run. It's Bale that delivers the ball with the plum. You know, Ramsey had to, he had to make that goal to begin with, and he had to finish it off, and he had to finish it off with quite a bit of work to do as well. For me, probably a nudge ahead actually. The more I, yeah. the more I think about it. But hey, what a nice problem to have. Which is the better than Ramsey performance, Turkey in the Euros or the Czechs on Friday? Um, you know, or Hungary in 2019, or you know, whatever it might be. Russia, Belgium. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's the big games. It's the big important games yeah. where he turns up and he delivers these moments time and time again. You know, yeah, Hungary to qualify. You know, Turkey where we, you know, we, after that disappointing draw, we needed the win. You know, Russia, we needed the win. Belgium quarter final. You know, big game player, big game mentality. I don't know if I've enjoyed watching a a player more any footballer more because it, you know because he's welsh and i'm a Wales supporter uh, that's a part of it obviously you know if i was you know argentinian and a barcelona fan or something you'd say messy but i i don't think i've ever enjoyed watching a footballer more than um aaron ramsey in 35 years or whatever it is i've been watching the game you know there was that Brian Stock first half against Russia, but yeah, but yeah, apart from that, yeah, I agree. <laughs> just, just, I, it's just sublime, isn't it? It's just. Have you seen the GIF of the goal where in slow motion, where he sort of puts his arm out, falls the keeper, and then brings it back onto his right, and and then sort of threads it through the eye of the needle. It's like you know, takes out four players. This is after making a what an eighty-yard run sublime yeah. goal. To be able to just slow time down like that is what OTJ said, wasn't it? He said, and, and this is what I liked about it. he, you know, he talked about 
I think he said something like, what separates him from mere mortals? It was something along those lines. I'm going, hang on a minute. This is a guy who played professional football himself, you know, that played international football as well, you know. And even he's kind of going, yeah, no, there's, there's just a different level again. And when a professional footballer is referring to him as being, you know, not mortal, uh, that, that for me was quite, was quite telling, really. Yeah, um, just on the ward thing, going back to Gwen and Harris, because I want to sort of say, you know, how great she was over the absolute joy and absolute pleasure listening to her summary on the ward thing. And again, but the only person I've heard pick this up really dug him out, and I think fairly, not unfairly, about how had a woman footballer done that on social media gets absolutely hammered for it. And then the other thing she said was how Danny Ward and it had had a bobble early on, so he's already aware that actually you've got to be really on your, your metal here because the pitch isn't quite 100% trustworthy, and still that kind of happens. And I just thought, to have a little bit of honesty in the in the commentary, uh, you know, assuming you're watching it in, in the medium of Welsh, of course, punditry rather than the commentary, I should say, is a massive, massive thing for us as well. We shouldn't be deluding ourselves. You know, I, I grew up with that. You, you did as well, you know, that whole you know, plucky, plucky, you know, perform heroic defeats and all the rest of it. Yeah, I've had enough of those. I've had an absolute yeah. gutsful of them. I couldn't care whether, you know, what gender they are or whatever. Having people saying it with a little bit more honesty, and I couldn't care whether how many English words they use in, in, in Welsh to say it or how many Welsh words they use in English to say it or whatever. I thought that was a real good... Oh, well, that is something I've actually really quite liked over the course of the weekend, that there's been a bit of honesty there to say, hang on a second, I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to hide from that criticism or hide from making that criticism, should I say. And I thought it was really quite... Um, Quite refreshing, actually, um, more so than it probably should be. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I don't. I didn't. I I watched. I watched the the Czech Republic game with the sound down, and it was Sky Sports with Danny Gabadon and Ashley Williams in the studio. So I don't. Know, they're both good pundits, but I didn't. I couldn't hear what they were saying, so I don't know what their opinion of it all was. But I just I followed what you and um, you and Rich were saying on the WhatsApp group, and it sounded like. Um, Gwen Harris got it absolutely spot on. I know you're a big fan, Rich, aren't you? Yeah, no, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, what um, part of the strength of Espadarekes coverage is that they are fans of Welsh football, which is rare in Welsh media, and they're fans of the players, the team. They've kind of come on the journey um, since sort of going back to speed. Um, but that that isn't always the perfect approach because you will get, um, I think, uh, Dylan Ebenezer is a little bit like this. John Hartson is certainly like this. They can be a little bit too friendly towards the team in the sense of um, they're wary about being overly critical or um, they can occasionally kind of big up players too much. Whereas I think Gwen and Harris is kind of, she's evidently a huge fan and massively committed to Welsh football, but she's just going to call it how she sees it as well. And it's not just the Danny Ward thing. She's called out some of Paige's um, selections and she's called out, I think, the quality of the crossing and just, just sort of bits and bobs like that. So it's, OTJ is really good at doing this as well. Yeah, Gwen and Owen, oh, they sort of tread that line brilliantly between loving Welsh football and also providing really kind of insightful, on-point observations. Yeah, we haven't really mentioned Sober Thomas. I don't think there's much to say. He didn't really do a huge amount, I didn't think. He, he was okay. He was okay. Um, didn't do anything disastrously wrong. I kind of noticed quite a lot. Um, when he was on the left, he was just cutting in a lot. I don't know whether... He's right-footed. Ah, he's okay. not. Well, he's two-footed, but he's, yeah. he's mainly right. And he has been playing on the right for, for Huddersfield. I think there's a lot of people that have just read this left wing-back thing and think that he can slot in at full-back. That's not his game. No. 
and thanks to, to, to Matt Shaw from the uh, And He Takes That Chance podcast, uh, a podcast title, incidentally, that refers to their playoff final win that Danny Ward figured prominently in. Actually, it's a famous sort of commentary, if people are curious. And, you know, Matt was sort of saying that actually, you know, the way they play, they 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 have a formation and a, and a tactical approach that actually almost compensates for his lack of defensive solidity, which might come. He's still a young player. He's still young in the profession, even younger in the professional game. But that actually they make a, uh, an allowance for that in how they set up, which for me means he's not really a, an international fullback yet and certainly not away from home and certainly not in Prague. But um, I wanted to see him a bit further ahead where you can make the most of his, his, set, his, his, his set piece and his crossing ability, which I think there was one that he cut in on off his right against Estonia that barely got to the penalty spot, I seem to remember. I felt... I felt a bit sorry for him. We didn't seem to use him in the way that you know he he's best utilised. But that that's also throws gauntlet down to him to have more strings to his bow as well, I suppose, and have a greater appeal and, and effectiveness for the team, I suppose. I mean, I thought he did all right in both games. It wasn't yeah nothing spectacular, but I, I thought he was a bit raw, uh, but promising there's a player there and there's, there's no doubt that he's dedicated to the game and to improving and and um hopefully we'll see him come on in leaps and bounds i, I and i gotta say i just lo- i love his passion i love his enthusiasm it's because that's how we we don't feel i'm sure about uh, playing for wales uh, it's brilliant to see yeah i hope he goes on to have a, a good a really good uh, professional career from from now on yeah yeah i agree anything else Obviously, the game's coming up next month. I've got something with a guy called Rob Cole coming up on uh, whichever day it is this week. And Rob is one of the founders of the Welsh Sports Hall of Fame and did a piece of work with him a couple of months back and was really fascinated in why the footballers that are in the Hall of Fame, Welsh footballers in the Hall of Fame, are who they are and why it's not other players. And we're... Yeah. Did you ask him why, why Brian Flynn isn't in? I don't know... That- because that seems like the most absurd omission. I know I would say that, but <laughs> we will be covering some of that. Yeah, the whole eligibility of it, and and the fact that actually one of the problems that the Hall of Fame has faced is by being set up so relatively late, it's had to play so much catch up, um, and they don't want to just have everybody in at the same time or in one big, big tranche they prefer to give people uh, a bit of focus and have them a bit of spotlight on them as well so um, but yeah that's coming up with uh, with rob as well and that'll be out before the next window so um yeah i'll let you go back to dad in yeah i'm gonna have to yeah all right okay cool. <laughs> Bye, guys. No star. cheers fellas no